Good evening. Hello, sir. How are you? How goes week two of rom romcom a month for you? Uh, well, well, we'll see. You know, I don't want to give away too much too early. Well, it's an official romcom month. I, you don't have to talk about the movie. The whole month is oh, the whole month. Worldwide. It's a worldwide uh, phenomenon. A worldwide thing. People are in love. People are walking the streets holding hands. Except. Well, actually, they're not. The world's in terrible shape. I don't think anybody's holding hands or doing anything fun right now. Well, maybe people are holding hands, but uh, they're holding hands because they're stressed and afraid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How's your week? Uh, it's It's been good. It's been good. Same old routines. I did well, have a, a fun time. I went to visit mom. Hi, mom. You might be watching. Uh, we had a great weekend and a lot of fun. And we went to... Um, uh, my favorite movie theater, uh, the Burn Center, which is this great art house. I probably mentioned it on the show before, but it's in Pleasantville, New York, which is about an hour north of the city. Great place. Jonathan Demme used to run it. So anyway, we went and saw the new uh, Paolo Sorrentino movie, and he's one of my movie gods right now. Uh, one of my favorites. And saw his new movie and, and got to meet him. He, he did a talk back, and I got to meet um my cinematic crush. I heard that you got to chat with him a little bit, sort of one-on-one -on -one outside. I didn't chat. I wouldn't say it was a chat. I'd say that I, I was on the verge of embarrassing myself completely, like like a twelve-year-old girl in front of Justin Bieber or something. <laughs> I, and, uh, I've witnessed that up close. He, so. uh, he. You know, I don't usually go up to people and say anything because it never goes right. When does it go good? Unless yeah. you're introduced and it's a thing, you know? Yeah, I've had some embarrassing. We all have. It's terror. It's always yeah. a mistake. Yeah. And as you're doing it, you're like, don't do yeah. this. And you do it. Yeah. But uh, he took pity on me. He was very, he was very nice about it. He's, he didn't treat me like I was Travis Bickle. Yeah. I did it once with, uh, with um, Dennis Quaid talking yeah. to a role that I had originated and that he had done in the movie. And I went up and introduced himself. And my, my friend Reed Bernie, who you know, stopped me as I'm I was glad telling he him did the right. story. No, as I was telling Reed the story, he stopped me and he said, wait, you actually went up to him and you did that? And I said, yeah, I did. He mm. said, let me ask you a question. How did that go in your head before you spoke to him in a way that made you feel good? <laughs> and your answer is that it didn't go, it, you didn't think it through. It didn't, it didn't go through your I mind at all. Think this you didn't through. think it through. But you catch yourself as it's happening. You're saying to yourself, I didn't think this through, but the mm -hmm. words keep coming out of your mouth. And yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A hor it's a horrible experience. But he was very gracious, and so I didn't feel idiotic. Okay. So I had I, I lucked out. And you have a big night coming up, I believe, tomorrow night, right? Yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, well, I mean, t technically, Amelia has a big night. I, I have an exciting night to go see a show for the first time in uh, two years or more. Um, but yeah, Amelia's show opens tomorrow at the Cherry Lane in New York. And, um, and the show the, is, the show is Coal Country, uh, written and directed by, uh, uh, Jessica Blank and Eric Jensen and with original music by, and performed by Steve Earle, who's on stage in the show, uh, every night. And, and it's it, really, really good. It's at the Cherry Lane. At the Cherry Lane Theater. Yeah. That's great. So everybody should go see that. Everybody should. 
I mean, it's if a small, you, you know, in, there's only so many seats. If so you're you, within the sound of our voice, you should get there. That's worldwide, man. Oh, that's right. Well, let's go. Um, what about what you? I, what was your, well, I, this is it. That's all I have. What, what, are you, what about you? My week was, uh, was busy. Uh, we, I borrowed a friend's pickup truck and one of my partners and I went and picked up about 75 12 bottle cases of our booze last week uh sample bottles to right. give out to distributors and and influencers so that people can taste it and start talking about it because we're getting ready to release soon we we need to bring it to restaurants and people who are managers at restaurant groups so they can taste it um but we also uh we've done something uh, i want to tell you about this because you might want to try it with um well one of my partners got me some uh oak chips and he, he did this at home but then got me some oak chips myself and you you can do this with like a nice bourbon or a scotch and you um you can pour some bourbon or or any kind of whiskey that you like into a mason jar with about an ounce of these toasted french oak chips and you can let it sit for a couple of weeks and sort of do your own barrel aging at home and uh you can do some pretty amazing things that way micro barreling micro barreling so you can yeah. take like a like an average bourbon and yeah. make it into something special something really pretty incredible that's yeah. that's really cool yeah and you can just you can buy them online, little you know, little bags of them, and uh, and um, and then uh, if you did you watch anything this week? Um, other than uh, Hand of God, which I saw at the theater, um, I checked out the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie um, on Netflix. And ah. um, what else did I see? Is that is that worth a watch? Um, you know. Uh, I, uh, I qualified, yes, I think, quite qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Very qualified, yes. Yes, it's, uh, you know, I mean, if they're going to do this, um, they they didn't do the worst things they could possibly have done. Um, Which would be like to remove the violence. Uh, to remove the violence would have been a mistake in this franchise yeah i think they they upped it up they upped it considerably let's really? put it that way well okay. there's actually not a lot of violence in texas chainsaw massacre that's actually on screen almost all of it is off screen and and that's a weird thing about that movie mm. but everybody thinks that it is very graphic it's not at all huh okay. um this one uh they decided to go the other route uh it's it's spicy on the violence but um Okay. But it also has some kind of fun uh, commentary. And like the first one, it's a group of people that you are just delighted to see uh, done away with. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Ah. So it does some stuff wow. that's right. Um, boy, my imagination is just going wild right now. Thinking of all of the people who I would be delighted to see done away with right now. Uh, Well, it might be the movie for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. Not unless it takes place in Washington. I, I don't know. You know, because <laughs> that's where most of my fantasies go. 
don't don't even don't go to politics. No, I'm talking Washington State. Washington State. There's a lot of wilderness there. Right. Yeah, that's where you think of something like a, a massacre happening. Is off in the woods, people camping. Definitely. Well, Texas, yeah. out in the middle of the wilds of Texas. When was the last time you saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre? The the uh, I never saw it. So that was the last time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'm thinking that we might really do a like a slasher, like a grindhouse a slasher month. Slasher month. Okay, I'm up for we that. Kind of did a Christmas time thing, but that was a novelty, really. Yeah, yeah. No, we we have to go full slasher at some point. Be fun. Okay, we'll cool. do that. Cool. And um, I guess uh, the I I only am I'm watching. I started watching, and I think I'm going to continue tonight after our show. Uh, a new show. I think it was on netflix uh no apple tv severance it's called um with adam scott who's an, an actor i i enjoy and adam admire. scott's great yeah yeah he's terrific I, I think i i think i know about this movie it's a it's an interesting concept the the idea is that they have found a way to sever in your brain your work life and your the rest of your life so that when you are at work, you have no other personality or recollection of the rest of your life. And when you're in your regular life, you don't know what you do at work. So it's almost like the person who's at work never leaves. Like they don't. Yeah. Um, right. That so, sounds good. I yeah. would see that. So I'm 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 checking that out. Okay, um, Adam Scott's great. I was uh, a, a fan of his show Ghosted. Did you ever watch that? I didn't watch Ghosted. That was fun. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I haven't seen his comedies. I've only seen his uh, his dramas. Dramas. I think I'm the opposite. Him being I dramatic. I mostly know him as a comic actor. Yeah, I saw... I, I first got to know him in uh, Big Little Lies, and I thought he was terrific in that. Is that a television program? Big Little Lies was... Um, Reese Witherspoon and and um the and uh Nicole Kidman uh it was a, a yeah it was, it was it it was a show I think if you if you looked it up on IMDb uh the the uh the description of it was Big Little Lies a show that Tony Arkin will not watch well, that's just a mo that's just a lot of shows. That's yeah. they, they're not. There's no special distinction there. Yeah. Um. You know, it might be a good moment to bring up a little bit of just a uh, uh, show stuff. A uh, friend of show Peter Stray, who I saw today, had uh, uh, coffee with him today. He has a uh, he has a an on camera job, which he's getting ready to do, which is get really out exciting. of town. He actually is a working actor right now. Oh wow. Um, and he was telling me about his plans to. Uh, create original cocktails with batch 22 when he gets his greedy hands on a bottle God he's got God. recipes um that sound great that really sound great so well, I'm, I'm excited i think they're i think he's gonna do um movie themed cocktails oh fantastic something well, if like he doesn't that come out to la i am coming back to new york in june because somebody i know is graduating from high school who's that, that? My, my daughter uh, oh, going to be graduating from high school. Yeah. And I'm, I will bring, 
back uh, some batch 22 for him. All right. That's excellent. If he doesn't get out here before then, or you could bring some batch 22 for him because I'm hoping that you'll get out here before that. I'm coming out there. Don't you get, I'm don't you worry about it. Some launch events in May that you'll be able to come. To. I'm going to be there. So going to do it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention before uh, we get into the movie or, or anything else, while we're talking about friends of show our friend of show, Stephanie Spinner. Yes. Um, contacted me uh a couple of days ago i've been super busy and haven't had a chance to email anybody back or call anybody back um but she had a couple she had a, a couple of questions about uh the movie we didn't uh cover but we talked about called riders of justice ah okay what well, and um well, and uh i i don't want to answer the questions now because i need to do research on one of her questions before i answer her Okay. But Stephanie, if you're listening and you're watching, um, hello, lots of love. And uh, I, I will get to you tomorrow on that Writers of Justice thing. And I should share with you. a. Um, actually, no, I'll share it another time. All right. I'll share it now. Um, oh, all right. Now yeah. I feel guilty. I don't know. No. Eric Tignini, who was the first no, AD. let's not maybe we shouldn't tell no, yeah eric tignini first ad on get shorty wonderful fellow uh i i ran into uh i i saw he and his wife at a at a birthday party the other night and uh found out that they're fans of the show oh really yeah like somebody actually like really in show business no kidding he's a fan of the show i, I would that's exciting i so Guys, if you're if you're if you're listening to this episode, a little shout out and some gratitude to you for listening. It's just incredible to think that people. Uh, I mean, like I, I learned that St I knew Stephanie watched the show, for instance, but I mom told me that Stephanie, in fact, really watches the show. Like, and uh, and I think sometimes we critically, and I think wow, we have we to better, answer to some things. We better step up our game. I'm saying we got people watching at this point. <laughs> Oh my so. God. Okay. Um, and then I'm hoping soon to be able to report a little bit about Equalizer 2, Denzel. Um, okay. Equalizer 2. These are two movies I'm planning on seeing Equalizer 2 and The King's Man. So these are things that you're planning to do while you're sitting in your apartment, just kind of. Well, I'm on sitting the couch. in my apartment on okay. the couch. When I get to the end of the day and I cannot work anymore, I generally collapse on the couch with a TV tray in front of me and watch a movie or a TV show. It's a classic thing to do. It's a class. It's a classic, yeah. but Everybody we are, we're 15 minutes into the show, a show about movies. We're 15 mm -hmm. minutes into the show and we haven't talked about the movie yet. So maybe so, we should talk about the movie. I think this will be a half hour show. Um, oh, really? Well, no, it's going to be no, because I have stories to tell about without even talking about this movie. I can fill time talking about the people in the movie. Oh, we will. We'll, I was kidding. First oh, of all, right. I'm a kidder. And second mm -hmm. of all, yeah, you're right, because we know a thing or two. Uh, no, no need to brag, but but we know a thing or two. Oh, I'm gonna actually do a little bragging. Well, I'm you know, it's, uh, it's our, it's I our, have uh, I have something to brag about with this. The, the show's got our name on it, so oh, we yeah. can do what we want. Yeah. So uh, tonight's movie: How to Steam How <laughs> How to Steam Millions. How steam How to steam a million. Million How <laughs> How steam Tonight's Millions. Theater. 
tonight for dinner. I don't, I can't. We are having steamed mullions. I'm so sorry. How do we steal <laughs> mull, mull? I can't read that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, another sip of beer. Maybe we'll calm me down. How to Steal a Million, 1966, starring Audrey Hepburn, Peter O'Toole, Hugh Griffith, Eli Wallach, Charles Boyer, Marcel Dalio, Jacques Marin, and Moustache. Let's just say Moustache was the big... <laughs> oh, we're going to start with Moustache. That's the... I don't want to explain it to people yet, but just... Mustache is everything. Yes. It's everything. So the setup for the movie is Audrey Hepburn is the daughter of Hugh Griffith, who is a, they live in a very fancy house in Paris, apparently have a lot of money because Hugh Griffith is a forger of works of fine art. And he, he loves loves forging these works of fine art and having them sold at auction and making lots and lots of money. And uh, in their home, they have a, a famous statue of Venus that's actually a forgery that was made by Audrey Hepburn's grandfather, Hugh Griffith's father. And um, just for fun, not to make any money, but... Hugh Griffith is loaning it to the this fancy French art museum uh, out of the goodness of his heart and patriotism. He's loaning a forgery and uh, all is going well. And then the director of the museum comes and says, yes, we need you to sign this paper so that the, the it will be insured for a million dollars in case anything happens to it. And he signs the paper and then he says, yes, and the insurance will go into into effect as soon as the statue is authenticated by this expert who's coming to authenticate it. And they realize, oh my God, when the expert gets there to authenticate it, it's already in the museum. It's too late to say, no, give it back. They're going to find out that it's a forgery and all hell's going to break loose. So Audrey Hepburn has to, well, that's the one thing that's going on. And then the other thing that's going on is Audrey Hepburn wakes up in the middle of the night and hears noise downstairs and catches a burglar, Peter O'Toole, who is who is uh, stealing one of the paintings, and uh, she shoots him, grazes his arm, and uh, and then realizes that she can make a deal with this this burglar to force him to help her steal the the fake statue so that her father isn't caught. Um. And hilarious hijinks ensue. Hilarity uh, ensues. Yeah. So, uh, do you give this one a, th a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I don't know. I think I'm kind of... I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, it kind of goes yeah. up around. I, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't... I think, you know, there, uh, there are better examples of this genre of of films like this this i think was the, for me the least successful but i i say that kind of sadly because i have a lot of respect for william wyler you know who mm -hmm. I, i'm actually um in doing research for this movie i i kind of feel bad that i don't like it more because he's an amazing filmmaker. he's truly an incredible filmmaker in a lot of ways i just don't i, I didn't feel like 
they got this one. I don't know. Am I am I crazy? I think you are not crazy, but I I lay it at the feet of one particular problem. Well, I, I do too. Are I'm we, really curious to see if we line up on that. Zero chemistry. Bingo. Exactly. Zero tool and Audrey Hepburn. None. Zero. None. And they're two people I love. Abs well, I love Peter O'Toole, but he is not this guy. He's the wrong guy for this yeah. job. She's the right person for the job, she is but he's really not. And 50% the right person. For because basically this movie, there's another movie. Another better version of this movie. That was made three years earlier. Yeah. We're, we're thinking of the same movie. Right? I'm assuming you're thinking of charade. Yes. And and I didn't really see, I, I mean, spoiler alert, at the end of this movie, there is a head slap moment where you go, oh my God, this is, okay, Dad and Peter Falk made a movie called The In-Laws, which was a huge smash. And at some point, somebody said, you know what, we should make that movie again with, with Alan and Peter different characters but basically the same story the same thing yeah, the, this is a true the, story yeah the crazy guy uh and the same nerdy guy and the crazy guy gets the same nerdy guy wrapped up in some insane plot and everything goes haywire and the second movie was a disaster and in in this in this this wasn't as big a disaster as big trouble was but it's really they're trying to capture the lightning in a bottle that was charade and they don't because they cast the wrong guy they 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 did or or they cat yeah or there could have been maybe another person who he could have played he, he could have played this part with another person opposite him perhaps but i wouldn't want to see anybody else try a role like this really other than audrey hepburn i mean no but you don't really want to see anybody do anything once you see Audrey Hepburn in a movie. You're kind of like, why can't she be in most movies? Yeah. But, um, and everything that circles around them in this movie is fun. I will say yes Almost and no. I, I think it, I think honestly, it, it takes a while to get off the ground. Well, um, and, the, and the Eli Wallach storyline. I really thought that was a dud. He didn't seem comfortable in that part. Eli Wallach, who, you know, another friend of the family's, we've certainly know and i got more stories about past. him great guy amazing actor uh not i don't think particularly well cast uh and in fact i know that there were other people that were had the part and he replaced uh george c scott was supposed to have that role yeah and i think i can see that working better somehow um, he got fired he got fired yeah um the rumor there were already it. two drunks there on were already set. two serious alcoholics on set <laughs> Literally, yeah. You yeah, read the same thing. Three. And William Wyler was like, I'm not. He was late once. Yeah. He was he was late to work once and Wyler fired him yeah. on the spot. Yeah. And I just want to stop and have a moment of silent respect for a man who has the courage to just turn to George C. Scott and fire him on the spot. Yeah. That's a, that's that's a scary. I'm sure that's a scary thing to do. Well, we can have that moment of silence. I'll edit it out in the podcast okay. because you know people well if you're doing that i'll be back in it i'm I just gonna do i gotta get a sandwich <laughs> got back in a minute. To all right and we're back
great. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> well, I love that we're aligned on that. That I mean, really, truly, uh, I felt like, um, you know, apparently she was crushed that um, that he was fired. She yeah. was very upset about that. <clears throat> but I was thinking about it. I was talking to Amelia about what it is about them that doesn't work. And I'm like, they're the same thing. They're like too much exactly the same. He's like a male version of Audrey Hepburn. Like he is elegantly beautiful and, and he's like one of the most pretty men you've ever seen oh my god you know oh my god and 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 delicate and refined and she kind of needs that i think she plays well against that gruffer guy like yeah. Cary grant was much more offhand with her and gruffer yeah. with her and charade and she kind of like is able to play off that energy really well yeah um but there are moments in this movie that are just gems. Absolutely, yeah. Many little, little gems in this movie. Um, the Audrey Hepburn has a moment when when Hugh Griffith, whose whose performance is, it's just beyond. I don't it, even know what to say. Yeah, it's so. First of all, he just ju you can just look at him. And that's that's good for five minutes, right? Before yeah. he even starts acting. He yeah, and I hear he put Peter O'Toole to shame as far as pranks offset. That he is the most shamelessly crazy drunk man ever, oh, ever. Well, um, did you hear the little tidbit about walking around the hotel? Yes. Please tell that story. Apparently, well, he was fired at a certain point yeah. from the production for persistent bad behavior. He was caught walking through the corners of the George V Hotel holding a do not disturb sign over his private parts, which he had altered to read, do disturb. Do disturb. <laughs> you know, I mean. And, and that takes... It takes a certain level of yes. brilliance. Uh, I don't know if you look like he did. <laughs> you know, it's a shame he never got to play the Keith Moon story because the dude <laughs> looks exactly like Keith Moon, and I think they partied the same way. He's the oh Keith my Moon god! Of the of the boards. God, you know? it, to be that kind of drunk, I just can't imagine it. From all accounts. Much fun was had by them. I'm a much not quieter. Not so much fun though. was had by the people that had to clean up after them <laughs> and deal with them. But yeah, um, I, uh, but but Audrey Hepburn has a moment where where um they're looking at the um the statue that is going to go to the museum, and and Hugh Griffith is talking about how it was. It was carved. It was his grandmother. His grandfather caused it, carved it using his grandmother as a model. And then he says something about how beautiful she was before, before the effect of all of those big lunches. And Audrey Hepburn does the subtlest little, like she puts her hand on her belly and looks down like, oh my God, is that, is that my future? Yes. It's just this tiny little moment she has that's just astounding. Um, she does a better dreamy look than anybody 
ever in the history of the world. Yeah. She 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 pretty much does. Um I mean, you know, she's just one of those uh performers that they're so iconic, they're so iconic on on every level and lasting, you know, the the the, the staying power that she's had as far as um uh her presence i mean it's almost like her presence supersedes her acting at this point she's just simply you know this this uh the, like the the muse of the entire artistic community just decided she's she's it you know yeah to the point where they put i i think three homages in this movie to other roles that she had done mm -hmm. certainly roman holiday roman holiday with the um with the Hitchcock magazine. Right. Right. She's reading a, a, an Alfred Hitchcock magazine. This is actually a very funny bit in this movie, actually, because the picture of Hitchcock, which kind of then she puts down on her face when she covers her face with it. Yeah. Like her face. And it's, it's yes. pretty fun. But I also think that there's a, there's a reference to Sabrina with, um, which she did with bogey. Mm -hmm, that's right. With, with Peter O'Toole repeatedly oh. doing the bogey imitation. The, 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 pretty terrible bogey that's a pretty poor exchange actually yeah, yeah. and then bit. when he dresses her up as the washerwoman for the burglary of the museum i th i think that's a reference to the the um to eliza doolittle in my fair lady she comes out looking uh, like yeah. like that Probably. and then all of those are kind of a reference to to charade because in charade they do a reference to my fair lady when when oh uh, that's when, right when um carrie she and carrie grant get up to their their floor in the hotel and she says this is my floor and he says ah yes here on the street where you, where live. you live which is the song yeah. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right um so lots of easter eggs showing up Lots of Easter eggs. William Wyler directed, of course, Roman Holiday. So he was in on that, you know, and yeah. discovered her as a director, you know, certainly was the one who who found her. So they had a good relationship, obviously. Well, I would um, think you'd have a good relationship with the director who discovered you and you won an Oscar in your first role. Yes, although it was a rare actor that returned um, because a lot of actors had trouble with him uh, Oh, as far as their direction they wanted to work with him because they they ended up with good performances but they didn't get there because he helped them really interesting no they were on their own and they would do very he was famous for doing lots of takes like legendary amounts of takes like stanley kubrick style you know or mm. david fincher style and not give direction just simply not say anything just be like do it again do it again do it again wow so the actors would get there because apparently he wouldn't stop until you got it right. So it would be good, you know. Good Lord. He said, I don't run an acting school. That was what he said. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, did you see the, um, the, the charade twist at the end of this movie coming? Did you have, because that surprised me. I did not see that coming at all vis-a-vis -vis what he is yeah yeah i knew well, what he was the minute he showed up Ah, uh, okay i knew it 
Um, I wasn't surprised by that. Um, I mean, I, I liked, uh, what really makes the movie worth it is this central heist, you know, I, I feel like it takes a little bit too long to get to the planning of the heist. Yep. And once that starts, um, once she finally convinces him to do it, I, I think the movie gets much more entertaining. Oh, uh, everything in the, in the museum. Yeah, it's is, great. It, it's well plotted. Um, and really funny, the conceit of how they steal it, you yeah. know, it's really funny. Well, and, and a lot of that goes to a lot of the credit for how funny it is goes to two performers. I, I mean, aside from O'Toole and, and, uh, Oh, Audrey. sure. It's conceptually funny too. That's a good, that's well-written. I think that's a well-written comic heist set piece. Yeah. But, but the performers, Mustache. And Jacques Morin is the the two of them. Well, let's cut right to the chase. That's you and I. Um, for me, I'm yeah. Mustache, and you're the you're the his boss. You're oh, boss. Uh, I I'm honored. I I I had you down as Jacques Morin. Oh, really? Yeah. And I I made myself the boring insurance agent because I didn't want to. I mean. I would rather do exactly what you just said, but I, I didn't feel like I could give. I think that you and I could pull it together as a, as a comic team in that to get the gig. Like, okay, yeah. You'd be like, look, you get Arkin and Arkin, you get the Arkin, we'll do it for this for price of one Arkin. And yeah. you get the both of us to do it. Price of one Arkin. Yeah. Yes. And I think that would be our thing. Actually, I definitely. I think wanna... half the price of one, one Arkin. Oh, truly. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Did I mention Arkin? Don't think of, <laughs> think it's another word. Don't think of that yeah. name. It's another name. <laughs> we'll do um, it for sandwiches. What do you can we, we have a would, job? We would <laughs> yeah. Um Mustache, anyway, please let's describe Mustache. I mean, you see what's great is you see the name in the credits, Mustache. And yeah. there's a couple of great performers from France who are famous for one name. They started that whole Prince thing. And I think yeah. it was Capuchin was the first actress that I knew who had one name. She was too sexy to have just two names. Yes. So and she um, looked like a, a delicious little cup of coffee. I don't recall. I think she, I don't know if she looked like a cup of coffee. <laughs> Can't recall. I think she was, she was uh, an actress. Well, I mean, you, you got to go with the coffee. Otherwise, it's a monkey. That's it's true. Right. You look like I, a cute little monkey. Look at you. You'd rather look like a delicious That's what her agent said. than a cute little monkey. You look like a just a little Reese's, like a little monkey. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Whereas if I have one name, if I go with one name, it's going to be Bonobo. Yeah. Bonobo the, the, big, the big bulbous nose monkey. Well, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm making a. I, I'm making a, a bid for like a mustache retrospective. He did other movies, but anyway, I thought it was a woman. I thought mustache was going to be like maybe a like an interesting cabaret performer of, of some some woman at an interesting, like an act at a cabaret. With no a mustache, mustache. Yeah, you know, like some kind of, you know, midnight cabaret thing. Yeah. No, mustache is a very large French man. With a giant mustache, with a giant mustache, which he actually make smile or make frown. Yep, he could do <laughs> all kinds of things with it. Puppetry of the mustache. Yeah, 
It was a lot of fun. That was, oh, Puppetry of the Mustache. I saw that show back in the day. When it was called something else? When it was called something else, I you saw did? it. Yeah, I went and saw it. Um, you often went to the theater alone. I remember that. <laughs> no, I wasn't alone at that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, there, there's some some fun uh, visual storytelling artistry in this movie. I love how uh, during the heist sequence, there's a couple of um, they have uh, this whole thing of um, all of these shots of different paintings of people um, sleep like sleeping, right? And then and then somebody else, somebody in real life, bored, right? The the paintings that they show sort of mirror what's going on in the in the heist i noticed that in that one case yeah yeah they did they did it twice they did it they did another one um oh i think it was the the people holding other people and then them cramped together in the closet together (laughs) um uh there was also a great moment where when she gets the idea to ask him to be the to the whole the idea for the whole heist she's looking at him and the or she i don't remember if if he's there or he's she's talking to her dad and the van gogh is behind him and she looks up at the van gogh that has the bright sun in it she looks at the sun and it's like the light bulb moment and she has the idea oh that's right that's right (laughs) yeah that's really good yeah that's really good it's elegantly shot, you know. It's uh it's certainly beautiful in that really great Technicolor 60s way. And um she has amazing outfits. She you know, she's of course every time you see her there's something either ridiculous cuz she's dressed right. like in these costumes or just in high fashion and looks amazing. And it's all car- Givenchy. It's yes, all Givenchy. of course, it's all Givenchy and and the cars are really cool. There's a beautiful Jaguar um what is it an xk uh yeah what is it i i'm so stupid i don't I remember think the, it's a, i think it's a 12 i think that's a 12 cylinder oh my god it's so beautiful this yellow jag and then she's got the tiniest car in the world yeah which was a high-end i think sort of a high-end fiat it was uh it, uh, the fiat's luxury brand i think so it's, it's not just... called a fiat it's the tiniest little yeah thing. There's great, you know, great 60s style in it. They both look fantastic. You know, he's dressed to the nines and looks great. And um, and and yet, I had, a, you know, I got to say, like, I felt like, again, here's a scenario where I just didn't believe these two people should be together or, or were going to be together. You know, I didn't I didn't feel it at no, all. When he kissed her and she's being all dreamy, I was like, no, didn't work. Didn't work at all. I've and I she'd felt, have her mind on other stuff. I don't yeah, believe that. Yeah. I felt bad about that. Um, you know what? I, I just want to take a break in talking about the movie for a moment because there are too many people in this movie with whom I have had actual personal interactions. <laughs> 
more people in this one movie than anything we've watched where I've had is that true really personal interactions of some kind or another I'll start right. with Peter O'Toole I didn't actually have an interaction so much with him is that I ended up at a table with him at a at a fancy after party after an opening um during the i think there were like seven or eight days where i was a big deal in new york M maybe nine mm -hmm. um, and during that time i got to go to some openings and you know fancy stuff and go to the after parties and we were at this private after party at some very fancy place and this was in um somewhere around 2000 so I think he was somewhere around 70, maybe at the time. I'm, I'm not sure of the ages. And we ended up at the same table, like in a corner, big banquette, you know. And he was sitting there all dressed up in, in somewhat foppish finery with a very young man around, with him who he's got his arm around in a very possessive way. And I'm looking at him incredibly judgment, uh, just so much judgment dripping off of me because it, it just really turned my stomach that he's sort of got this guy with him who's way too young for him. And he's being really proprietary and really displaying the guy. And, and I'm getting nauseous. And then later in the evening, discover that it's his son lord i was just gonna say because <laughs> and i'm an ass I, he yes I, I, I didn't i never heard that he uh yeah i he was well known to have been quite a ladies man peter o'toole yeah uh, so i didn't i wouldn't have thought that later in life he had he had um, changed that, but uh, that is pretty damn funny <laughs> yeah so i'm just what an ass i am um, I'm, I always, then, I'm sorry you didn't say something and be like, you know what? I've, I've sat here long enough. I can't, this is, this is America. We do things different, Peter. We do yeah. things differently. Have you met my son? Have you met yeah. my son? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Could have really humiliated myself. And then there's Eli. Well, of course who... we mentioned Eli. We've had, I've had many dinners with him, but you know him. I only had. I was a little kid and I was like, oh, here's Uncle Eli. Yeah. He was like uh he was like your babysitter, wasn't he? Well, no, no, I I don't know so much of that, but that he was, you know, when I I can remember just wanting to become an actor because of watching Eli and Dad in love and watching that from which back was the day. name of a play. A play. Yes. They weren't they liked each they other a lot, but they actually they, they weren't, weren't in love. In love. Uh and um but then my first big television role was in the summer of 1975 on a two hour season premiere of Kojak. And lo and behold, I'm playing Eli's son. And it was so amazing to have my first sort of real job where I had scenes that I had to do right. to be with him. Um, it was just extraordinary. Um, and he was so avuncular and so lovely and just made it easy. Um, and I was That's still really pretty cool. bad. I And, and regardless of that, I was still pretty bad. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, well, he did I've, looked, good. 
I had this nervous tick when I was younger acting where I would like do stuff with my, like chew my, I look like I'm trying to eat my own lips, basically mm -hmm. gnawing on my own lips as he I'm loves acting. acting so much that he knows his own lips off. Yeah. But the, I think the best story is that in 1966, when a couple of Audrey Hepburn stories, when dad was making um, Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn, and sadly, this is before you were born. Yeah. So you didn't have the opportunity. But I was on set and she banged her, she's playing a blind woman, and she banged her shin into a chair in one scene where she's supposed to bump into a chair that somebody has moved and she bruised her shin. And I remember clearly to this day sitting on her lap with her ankle up on another chair. And I was sitting on her lap holding an ice pack on her shin. And that's got, that's, that memory has gotten me through many a cold night. That's a, that's a good memory to have. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. But then I, there's another yeah. memory, and I asked permission to tell this story of going to a party, and I I don't remember if it was at her house or somebody else's house, but it was an afternoon pool party. Yeah. And Audrey Hepburn came out in a bikini, and Mom <laughs> burst into tears. <laughs> 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 I, and I think she may not have been alone. I think I think probably, several, several of the people, women, probably I men, women, and children women started and crying. Yes, several <laughs> of the women and many of the men may have burst into tears. Probably. Oh, that's so funny. Well, I didn't meet her then. I wasn't born then. I did get a chance to meet her briefly at a big function. She had a um, big Audrey Hepburn celebration at Lincoln Center, I think, uh -huh. and dad got invited and mom was invited they had an extra ticket i got to go and um that was something i met her backstage just briefly just like shook hands hello but she was and very gracious just everything you would you would want her to be yeah i mean you know in those few seconds i certainly didn't hang out with her but she she had she had been through an incredibly long evening and was had met three thousand people and was exhausted and yet it was like meeting, you know, royalty in the best sense of the word, just incredibly gracious and uh, just a, a, a seemed like a really sweet person. Of course, dad thought the world of her. Um, and really then there were those her. nights where we got to hang out with her at the Shannon Star, you know. Um, well, yeah, and Lakari Dodd. She was big. A few back. <laughs> she was big into Lakari Dodd late at night, you know. Yeah. The key after going to the back Dublin the house. Day. Yeah. yeah. You know, all the stuff that the show people did together. Yeah. 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 She I bet she big. would have actually enjoyed all of that. From what I've heard, she was certainly not prudish or like, you know, um, but probably would have gone home early. Been like, that's very nice, but I'm I'm going to go home now. Yes. Um, so who else do you know? You right. know, you've you've met everybody, you know, you know Charles Boyer? No, I I that's the extent of my uh of my uh stories about people in this in this particular movie can i just say that i thought it, uh, uh you know who uh eli reminded me very much of in this movie was bruno 
Bruno Kirby. Yeah. He was like, I can see that. Like, shocked me, you know? Yeah. Do you have favorite lines? I have a couple of favorite lines. I think my favorite line is um, they're looking at uh, the Venus statue, which is yeah. a little statue of this naked woman, the Venus. And um, Peter O'Toole is looking at it and he sees a he seems to see a familiar like a, a similarity between this woman and in, in the sculpture and Audrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of looking back and forth and he's saying, um, you know, that was you that that could have been you back in 400 years ago. And she says, that's not how I was dressed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was good. I like that. I had I had three dialogue moments of dialogue that I love is when when Hugh Griffith says to her early on in the movie when she's she's telling him he's got to stop with selling the forgeries he's going to get caught and she says the basic trouble with you is that you're honest oh I don't say that to hurt your feelings <laughs> yes there was some really clever dialogue and funny writing in it and I just kept on wishing that uh it had been delivered by Cary Grant. Yes. Then he also says, we live in a crass commercial world with no faith or trust. When, when he realizes that he's going to get caught because of the insurance examination. But my favorite line is when, when, when Hugh Griffith meets Peter O'Toole and Peter O'Toole makes a hasty exit. And it's after the heist and it's after they've fallen in love in the closet at during the heist and peter o'toole makes a hasty exit and hugh griffith says is he always so abrupt and she says not in the closet <laughs> like wow that was pretty risque for back then yeah yeah well 66 they were trying <laughs> yeah. to break out yeah they're definitely trying to break out there was just such a strange moment where there, there was a couple of moments where it looked like they were trying to infuse a little screwball comedy into this and it just didn't work like no. i don't think william wyler's that kind of director really and and um they weren't able to pull it off but like the goofiness in the closet of their elbow in the face and his leg up and it, it, it went on too long and it didn't really work um no. and then that weird take where eli wallach runs into the mirror it was like they were trying to do a Preston Sturgis moment where he's like makes an exit and he thinks it's a doorway and he hits the yeah. mirror and it was just like, what is going on right now? No, doesn't doesn't work. But there were cool uh, little touches um, before they really start mm -hmm. the heist part of it. Uh, he has to create a diversion, and I, it was a it was a thing you see in a lot of spy movies where how do you create a little diversion right you know right. ways to do it i just thought the way they did it was so smart where he took the brochure for the art gallery and put it on a place where he knew that would pick it up as trash right, right? and he put coins in it so when they picked it up it would scatter and everybody would turn and look at the coins and get them so that they could get away i just thought that was a really smart uh clearly written thing you know that was good screenwriting yeah, I thought for for having to come up with a a heist that was complicated and interesting in a low tech era, they really did it. They they pieced it together. Yeah, like one of those you know one of those things where you drop the ball and it hit it 
goes into the cup. Like a Rube Goldberg machine, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it, they, they, they plotted it out very effectively that way. And they also use, they, they, like in great fighting in films where, where characters are kind of expressed through fighting style yes. know, in action movies, um, they kind of made interesting use of the method of getting this of getting the statue basically what peter o'toole does spoiler alert for a movie from 1966 is that he he sets the alarm off on purpose and doesn't steal it goes back and hides so the guards all come down they're freaked out nothing's missing so they assume after he does it twice that it's a malfunction in the system so that they start disregarding it when it goes off again, which gives them enough time to actually do it. And they don't actually notice do it. Yeah. So smart. Very smart. And, and such like commentary on him being like a smart detective guy, not a, not a criminal, but a right. detective. And, um, and commenting on how people are la like, just lazy that they're not really gonna, you know, they're not really going to check a third mm -hmm. time. And sold, that whole plot point is sold, I think, by Jacques Morin, mm -hmm. who, is, who plays the head guard and, and sort of walks us very deliberately through all of the emotional steps that the guards have to go through to get to that point of being so frustrated they're just right. going to turn the damn thing off. That at first it, it wakes up the head of the interior ministry. Then it wakes up Charles de Gaulle. Which know? we never say, but we know it's de Gaulle. We never say, but you know it's de Gaulle. Yeah. And, 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 and the police come from... Because the know, alarms the are so loud is what the thing yeah. was the joke is. Yeah. Great and, setup um, to this too, though, because they set this up in the smartest way. And you don't know... You don't know that that's what they're doing, but they are in the drive that they take to case out the exterior of the museum. Right. He's going, there's all these, there's cops everywhere. And she's, what do you mean? There's just a few guards in the museum. He goes, no, there's cops here by the embassy. There's cops here by, by the president's house. There's cop, there's cops everywhere. Right. And you realize the museum is right next to, to Gaul's house, like yeah. where he stays. Yeah. So they've and you set, they've that laid that all in place, but they, yeah. they, they set it up so, uh, so elegantly. Yeah. Um the um what what would your double feature be with this? Well, I actually I was really torn. Um I was I was torn. But I think that I'm going to go with um what did I say? I think I'm going to go with Thomas Crown Affair. Oh my god. <laughs> that was you too. That's what I had. <laughs> I had the Thomas Crown of it. Well, we are in agreement on this one, man. And oh, I thought you God. could go completely in the other direction also. I also put down Thief to just go like okay. with just yeah. the most, the darkest alternative right. to this. But really, but my first choice was Thomas Crown of <laughs> I love that. Yeah. The oh, other, the other romantic art thief movie, you know. Um, and what about your, if you were going to recast it today? Um, I just, I only got the the three main characters down, okay. um, but uh, I felt like you and I would probably be in agreement that it would probably be Emma Stone. <laughs> That's who I have. And who did I pair with Emma Stone? That I don't know. Well, 
I went with Ryan Gosling. Oh, well, that's that would be amazing. That would really be that would that would solve the problem. Yeah, because the chemistry would be there and you wouldn't know it to watch him in drive. But if you watch the nice guys, he is funny. Oh, oh, he's hysterically funny. Yeah, he can be really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a, And what I'm about for her right what now. about for her dad? Uh Russell Crowe. Okay, I had John Malkovich. <laughs> Malkovich <laughs> would be great too. Um I put I picked um Jude Law for uh for the role of um Peter O'Toole. But he's probably okay. a little old for it now. Okay. And I had Steve Carell as the guard. Looks just like him. And John C. Riley as Mustache. As Mustache. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Oh my god. I gosh. love it. We agreed well, on so many of these points. That's crazy. Look at this. A movie that we just saw pretty much. Oh, wait. There's another actor who we haven't talked about. Who's that? Marcel Dalio. Oh right. right, who 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 I also got to meet. That's right, um, I did too, but I don't remember yeah, meeting him. You were you were two, I think, or one and a half. I was, I yeah, I was very small. You were tiny. He bounced no. you on his knee. Maybe you got to sit on his lap and hold an ice pack. I hope so. I'm shocked um, to find out there's gambling here. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, brilliant. Um brilliant actor and wonderful in this oh we also haven't mentioned that hugh griffith has a spectacular spit take in this movie where does he have a spit take at at one point when he finds out something that surprises him i forget where it is but i think hugh griffith tries to put one in every movie he did he can. a great spit take he did a great spit take um and uh so you know interestingly and this was not planned, but um, Marcel Dalio is in next week's movie as well. He's in Bridget Jones' Diary? Oh, no, no. that's not next week. <clears throat> next week, we're doing Pillow Talk, 1959, Doris Day, Rock Hudson, Tony Randall, who I got some stories about. Yeah, you do have that. Thelma Ritta and Marcel that's Dalio. Right. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we, I have one last thing to say because uh, I'm not really known as a, a, a font of knowledge about haute couture or fashion, but I did notice something. Somebody beat Audrey to the punch on one of the most interesting fashion choices she had in the movie. Um, and do you know what it was and who it was I'm talking about? And I'm talking about 15 years. And actually wears it better than Audrey. Get out of town. I'm not kidding. Um, you remember the uh, the um, mask veil she wears? Yes. The bandit yeah. mask. Kind of high concept bandit mask she wears. Right. You George know, Hamilton. <laughs> how Rara. did you know what I was going to say? <laughs> No, um, worn first and arguably better by Gene Simmons in the great, completely underseen movie So Long at the Fair from 1950. 
Wow. And if you look up pictures of Gene Simmons in that, you will you will see that Audrey has has some competition. We have a comment from the viewer Camille Renner who asks, what about the Hot Rock as a double feature? Hilarious dialogue, Ron Liebman, Redford, George Siegel, Paul Sand. That's a good that's a good that's one. That's a great one, you know, Camille. And, and if I will be completely honest and say that that's a film I'm not, I've never seen that one. So I, I would, I would love to have an excuse to see a movie that I never got a chance to see uh, with all those people in it. So let's, let's notate that as something we should do let's later write on. Write that down somewhere. Um, So I think we've covered this one. No, I do. Did you look up Gene Simmons? Oh, you want me to look up Gene? I Simmons want to see now? your face when you see this. Uh, when you see what I'm talking about. And which what what movie was it? It's called So Long at the Fair. Gene Simmons, So Long at the Fair. And you're saying it was better than I am. Oh my God. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, it's like Catwoman's time. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's a really great movie too, which people should check out. A really nice thriller. Um. Anyway, with Dirk Bogard. That's the last. Yes, Dirk Bogard, who was no slouch. No, he had great posture. <laughs> okay, so next week, Pillow Talk. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. But it's not the first. Uh, it's not the first Rock Hudson Doris Day movie I've seen. I think I've oh, seen yeah. one. They made a few, uh, I believe, yeah. and I've I seen think... one of them. So I kind of know what I'm in for. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, Mike Lindell is not in this movie. Just I I anybody listening who thinks they're going to see Mike Lindell, uh, he had nothing to do with the production of this film. Okay. I don't get this. Did he? Mike he Lindell, My Pillow Man. Um, oh, oh, that's yeah. oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that that guy, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I forgot all about that guy. Um, yeah. No, this is a different filmmaker entirely. Um, and I will say that as as disappointed as I was in the chemistry between uh, Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn, it would have been okay with me if I looked like Peter O'Toole. So it would have been okay with you if you were Peter O'Toole in this situation and had no, had no chemistry. Or, or just in life, if I looked like Peter O'Toole. Oh. Well, it would be good for you. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, um, I, I, it would be nice to look like that. Oh, my no God. Doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So well, you, did you notice about him, though? Uh, last thing I'll say. I noticed something about Peter O'Toole. He, it's a, I think it's a very, like, uh, Royal Shakespeare Company move that he never stopped doing once he started doing movies. Yeah. Because usually you leave it on stage. But have you noticed that he runs out of almost every scene? <laughs> he it is it's his thing he kind of like run, lunges and runs finds a way to kind of leap and run out of every <laughs> shot that he's in it's really funny yeah he's thinking to himself exuant exactly he's doing yeah. it yeah he, he just never <laughs> gave up on it yeah anyway that's my last comment <laughs> okay. this has been All great right. i love agreeing with you on this movie this we saw exactly the same movie <laughs> this is amazing yes it's a red letter day all right, so join us next week. Like us on all the social media. Um, download our podcast. Tell yeah. your friends about it. And um, have a great week and join us next week for Pillow Talk. Can't wait. Good night.
Good night. Uh, I have to do this. I forgot the whole the whole end credits thing. So All we're right, still, we're still we're going. going. We're still do, going. We and just... now mm. we're saying good night. Farewell. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.